Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the Blazer's Edge podcast. I am Tara Bowen Biggs, joined as always by Blazer's outsider, Danny Morang. Oh, hi. Dan, uh-huh. why can't the Blazers defend the three-point shot? What oh, is going we're, on? We're going to go right into that, huh? We're gonna yeah, I know. About, like, I just, what you I've got for Christmas. Like, chomping at the bit plans. to talk to you about this. Ugh. God, I really was just trying to help and like, avoid this for a while. Okay, happy holidays. I hope you had a good one. Mm. Hope your family is great. Blah, 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 blah. Why can't the Blazers <laughs> defend the three-point shot? Wow, this is kind of a role reversal. Usually, I'm, you're the one who wants to talk about all that stuff, and I want to avoid it and, and talk about it. Yeah, we're not messing around with niceties anymore. Uh, we are deep into it <laughs> right now. It's, I mean, it's, it is bah humbug time with the Blazers because they are the worst team in the league at defending the three-point line. I mean... So, yeah, so... Last season, the Blazers' opponents shot 36.4% from the field, mm-hmm. so that was basically league, league average, mm-hmm. and their opponents got 26.6 shots average, which was below league average. So, you know, they, they prevented the shots, and they had a pretty decent, you know, middle-of-the-pack um, allowance. This season, they are the worst in the league right now. The opponents mm-hmm. are shooting 37.9%, which is quite high above the league average of 35%. Yeah. And they are still allowing less than league average. So they're allowing 29.9, which is less than 32.1. But still. Their bottom like, third makes allowed. Makes allowed is the one that matters. Makes allowed in percentage. I don't care about the attempts so much as guys just absolutely gunning Portland down. And that's what has been happening a lot of these games this season. Okay, because I figured, like, the plan is to allow fewer threes, you know, so, like, the fewer threes that are even allowed, the, you know, the less points they can rack up that way. That's the rationale, right? But Mm -hmm. it's about, with Portland, it's not just quantity, it's the quality they're giving up, and they're giving up a ton of quality looks. Like as in wide open. Yes. <laughs> so what? So what? What is the difference between this year and last year? Because as I recall, like two full years ago, we were all wringing our hands because Portland needed a rim protecting center, and then we got Yusuf Nurkic, and not only did they, you know, improve in the close to the rim, they also improved on the perimeter because they actually got to send an extra person out on the perimeter. What happened to? Any of that progress? <laughs> yeah, I. God, I really wish I knew exactly what was going on. Scheme-wise, things look normal. Um, a lot of it has been effort. So, I mean, here, here's the thing: a lot of a lot of analytical folks, um, people with degrees in you know spatial mapping and stuff like that, have tried to figure out the key to defending the three-point line, and there's there is some luck involved with it. Absolutely. Um, when guys like Steph or KD or even a guy like Corver get hot, there's sometimes there's something you just, you just can't do. And a lot more teams now, when they're training, when they're practicing, they're running their offense out. It's not initiating at the three-point line. It's initiating five, six feet behind the three-point line. And that extra couple of feet is more distance you have to make up for and recover from uh, further away from the rim. And when you don't have the requisite length and switchability within your roster, those things start to show up. The other part so of this is... So more running back and forth for defenders to try to cover more space. Mm-hmm. And the other part of this, at least, outside of the luck factor, is decision-making. Um, specifically the last two Utah games. Terrell, what does Kyle Corver known for doing? Oh, my gosh. I I was just marveling last night at how amazing Kyle Korver has managed to maintain his game. Uh-huh. He's 37 years old uh-huh. and he is still shooting three-pointers and like, running like crazy with right? his eyes closed mm-hmm. and half asleep. Yep. And what should you never do on Kyle Korver? Give him the three-point shot. Go, go under three-point shot. Go under the pick. Okay. And you know what the Blazers did multiple times last night? They went yeah. under the freaking pick. What was what world do you live in where it's okay to go under the pick on a guy like Kyle Korver or Joe Ingles? Listen, I understand if Ricky Rubio busts your ass on a three or if Rajon Rondo, guys who have a history of not being competent shooters who have developed into at least passable shooters. Like, I get that from time to time. But it is absolutely, positively inexcusable to go under the pick on a guy 
who has a reputation as one of the best 10 three-point shooters in the history of the league. And that stuff, that's the kind of thing that's driving me. Like, normally I'm, I'm just objective and I look at things and I'm like, do I get emotional? Certainly. But I, I, when I come back and I make analysis of things, I, it, it, it's, it's objective. You would agree with that, right? Um, okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, I feel like that's a loaded question because it okay. depends. You know what the answer is? Oh, I'm so excited. The answer is it depends. Okay, fine. <laughs> but I think, but anyway, I think on the whole, Corver, I think on the, under the screen. I think on the whole, when it comes to breaking down what Portland does or doesn't do, I'm I'm mostly objective on on scheme things. And what has frustrated me just to an unfathomable amount this season is that so many times it's coming down to boneheaded decision making or lack of effort, like things that just that that just like want to make me tear my hair my hair out of my skull. And it, it's. I, I and you wish, see not going through the screen as a classic example of not effort, going well, the easy way, going under. Well, yeah, absolutely. Like when you know, like what's Kyle Corver going to do? He's going to put the ball on the floor and go by you? No. <laughs> we, all, we all know that's not going to happen. All right. So who are the guilty parties in this? <sighs> I hate throwing him under the bus, but I mean, at this point in time, CJ McCollum has regressed more defensively this year than anybody. Um, it's it's been bad. Like I, and I'm not painting it all on him. Dame mm-hmm. has his nights. Bose has certainly had his nights. Aminu has had his nights. Mm-hmm. Doncic, we were talking about before we went on air. Doncic went right at him and busted him up four possessions in a row. Well, to be fair, it was because he was trying to get his life back after Aminu dunked the life out of this him. This is very true. Shout, shout out Aminu <laughs> so, for, for an absolutely vicious post. Let's balance dunk. that one out. But, okay, but my favorite part was the flex and the side eye. Oh yeah, no, he he <laughs> he checked all the boxes. Let's 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 let, let's be clear. That and that game that game was fun. That it, that, that's that the was thing a was, fun game. Yeah, let's talk about a fun game for a minute because yeah. the next thing we're going to do is talk about Golden State. So let's talk about the fun game. Well, like if we were if but, we had recorded on. this on Monday yeah. night, we'd probably have a much different mood. <laughs> to an extent, yeah. But I mean, I, I saw Utah on the schedule and I kind of figured what was going to happen, and it happened. And it, that's that. I think that's problematic. And, and Joe and Shane last night when we were watching it. The, the question Joe had for us was, um, was the, is this game indicative of a bad matchup? Um, the Portland play a bad game, or is Utah just a better team than them? And I, I don't care what the record says. I, I think Utah is a better team. And I, I think that puts Portland in a, in a weird position, right? Well, I think that a lot of people would say, um, Utah is a team that just has more talent, natural talent. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like I think up and down, they're a better team. I think they're probably between them and Denver, they're probably the two deepest teams in the league. I guess you can throw Toronto in that mix now too. Um, and it just makes it very, very difficult, especially with how big they are. Like I mean, you look at, at all those teams. The one thing they all have in common is they're all big, mm-hmm. long teams. Um, but as far as the defense stuff, because we don't want to get too far off track with, with that. Um, Straight line drives, reading picks the wrong way, um, guys giving up on plays. I mean, the Utah game specifically, not just defense, but getting back to the effort part of it, it felt like Utah got to every 50-50 ball. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just – that's not something we associate with this team, and that really bothers me. Like, if they were the Phoenix Suns or something like that, or the Hawks, sure, whatever, young team, you, 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 it's whatever, you know? But with – a team like Portland is supposed to have this continuity and trust and belief and then not getting after it play after play when you know you're behind the eight ball. That stuff, that stuff sucks. Like, and mm-hmm. I, I want to come up with some like analytical rant, you know, reasoning for this, but it's just like, that's, I think that's what, what's been so frustrating for me this season is there's not a lot of stuff outside of roster composition or, or analytics that, that can really be indicative to what's been going on as much as, uh, effort and decision making. I think those have been the two biggest problems this year for this team. 
And I think one of the things that's really frustrating about that is that we have to stop because we can't talk about what, I mean, we have no idea what it is that if it is, if it does come down to effort, who are we to know whatever it is that's creating this, let's say perceived lack of effort. Like Mm -hmm. we can't talk about that because we just, then, then we're talking about like, you know, player's heart. And we can't talk about that. That's indefinable. Yeah. That's not something that we can weigh in on. No. We don't know what's going on. It's and that's the frustrating thing about the this whole thing time. is we can look at the analytics, we can look at the numbers and, and see what adds up or what doesn't add up. But then we have to stop. We can't say like, all I want to do is I just want to find out why. Yep. Like, all my instincts are like, you know, it goes back to, I don't know, maybe it's something about like being a mom or just like my normal personality is like, if things are going wrong, I want to stop and I want to get to the bottom of why mm-hmm. it's going wrong. I don't want to just put a bandaid on it and, you know, figure you know, and like send everybody on their merry way. I want to dig into it and find out like, what is the motivation that is missing here and how can we get them to tap back into that motivation that they, we know that they can have, but we can't do that. And that's what frustrates me the most. And speaking specifically on that, the NBA schedule doesn't allow you to do that because oh you're, my you're, gosh, you're yeah. back at it again and again and again and again. And I think part of the problem with this is the Blazers will get a few wins under their belt and then it's, Oh, Hey, everything's fine. And then whatever the root of the problem was, people think, oh, maybe it's fine now, and then the same issues rear their head again. So clearly the root of the problem hasn't been addressed. Yeah, but can you also kind of look at that the other way because everything does appear fine, and then one bad thing goes wrong, and all of a sudden we're all like calling to trade everybody and we're calling for everybody's heads. I mean, so much of the challenge, I think, and probably with the players and with the coaches and everybody with the organization, so much of their challenge is to stay even keeled when the storm is raging around them. And we've been talking about this schedule, this part of the schedule since the schedule came out. Mm -hmm. Like you zeroed in on it, like as soon as it came out and said, look at what December is going to be. And right now they are in an every other day for over 10 day pattern and we're right in the middle of it. We knew it was going to be hard. We knew it was going to be miserable for them. And so here we are right where we thought we would be. So why is every, why, you know, is everything on fire? Why am I hearing, you know, people, I mean, you said it before earlier when we were talking, you know, you know, so many people are so upset and so mad and frustrated. This like, is the most upset why? I've seen people in a while. And I don't think it's, it's we knew this was going to come. It's not, it's not that they're losing Tara. It's how they're losing. Okay. A 30-point ass kicking at home. Yeah, that like, was bad. Like that's, Followed by a 21. <laughs> yeah. Hey, improvements. All right. Yay. But, I mean, uh, the way they're lo- – like, Terry, they haven't won a game. everybody's getting crushed. But here's the thing. They haven't won a game this season trailing going into the fourth quarter. Not one. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's not what we associate with this team. That's, that's so weird. It's just – it's really, really hard to put a finger on what exactly is going on with this team right now because this is a team at fourth quarter time. is It's Dame time. It's winning time. Dame lead the league in second half scoring. Mm-hmm. Like, he goes nuts. And looking at his numbers the other day, he's shooting like something like 46% from the field and 46% from three in the second half. It's obscene. And yet they can't close out a game. Yeah. That's, so I- that's weird. Yeah. I think part of what's going on with Damien isn't so much. Well, I mean, it's definitely, there is some aspect of heroics, I would believe in the second half, but I think also not only does he score a lot in the second half, he doesn't score that much in the first because I think he's trying to find out who it's going to be tonight. Who's got the hot hand. Who's he going to go through? Who's going to be the guy who's, hitting things. And I think he spends a lot of the first half because I remember so many times this season where I've been like, Whoa, it's halftime. And Damien only has six points. Mm -hmm. What? And then he goes off and he does a whole. So I think part of that is by design and maybe that's not working. Well, let's, let's, (laughs) let's get to that. That's something we talked about kind of before the show. Um, The idea that Damien Lillard is deferring to start games, particularly to get two people involved. One of them is Yusuf Nurkic, the other one's Maurice Harkless. It's not a secret that Mo wants the ball. It's not a secret that Mo wants to be wants to get his hands on the ball and feel more involved. And over the last couple of weeks, it felt it felt like the offense to start games has featured a Harkless 
three-point uh-huh. shot? Yeah, they or... go to him mm-hmm. for most games within the first 90 seconds of the game. To kind of, to kind of get him involved. And I think that, okay, sure, that's, that's fine, but it almost feels like it's been to the detriment of, of a lot of other guys in that um, when the team goes through Nurkic to start, it's not necessarily about Nurkic getting points. Mm-hmm. It's about facilitating. And getting other guys involved. As I'm sitting here watching the gameplay, the, the replay from uh, Portland, Utah game last night. Early offense, the Nurkic in the high post. It's give and go past that bounce pass from Nurkic to Damian Lillard. Like that. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the difference between getting Harkless involved and getting Nurkic involved. And I'm not. I'm not trying to throw shade at, at, at Harkless here. I just. I, I think there's there's better ways to get things going earlier. I think when you mm-hmm. get a guy like Nurkic involved earlier, it encourages the ball movement, right? Mm-hmm. because of, of how he sees the game. I, I was looking at it, and I'm going to end up writing about it this weekend. When the Blazers, when, when Nurkic gets four more assists, the Blazers are 9-3. and three. Like, that's, that's a pretty indicative line. Like, if the offense is humming, it's because Nurkic is working as that secondary creator and guys yeah. are moving around off of him. And when they're not, I think things, when, when the ball goes out to Harkless in the corner and he wants to, to ISO and, and go back and forth with somebody, that turns into a um, a little bit more stagnant and predictable offense. And I think that that kind of – that's when you're talking about setting the tone for the game, I would much rather have it be Yusuf Nurkic than Mo Harkless. But uh, I have to do some, some more reading into that and, and research into that before I can find anything indicative. I would just add one little thing that I would be curious to find out if it, if you, if you come across it is the difference in the number of assists in the first half and the second half. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm wondering how they're approaching the first half versus how they approach the second half. But that kind of, that brings me to the next thing that I had to ask you. They are getting ready to approach the golden state warriors twice in a row. How lucky are we as Perfect blazer time. fans that we get to go watch the golden state warriors play the blazers right after they got beat by Los Angeles. Not just so beat, slapped on national TV on Christmas. Yet another good oh, team goody. who lost a game right before they play the Blazers. Mm-hmm. Fabulous. So how did the Blazers prepare for Golden State? And you can't say outscore them because that's what Stotts has already said. I <laughs> he mean, said he, that in the past. He's not and wrong. it's true. He's not <laughs> it's wrong. true. But really, how do you, given how the Blazers have been playing lately, uh, how did they prepare for Golden State? Uh, pray. Also not helpful. <laughs> I mean... I do not envy the Blazers right now because clearly a case of complacency has set in with the Warriors. And this happens with basically every team that's like this, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's still year three of trying to chase a champion of chasing a championship. You're all sick of each other. Blah, blah, blah. KD and Draymond (laughs) are having their moments. Draymond's having a terrible season. Clay looks like, a above average player as opposed to an all world player. Mm-hmm. So they're dropping games here or there. It's uh, just weird. Yeah. Um, and I heard somebody talking about Steph the other day. It looked like Steph slowed down. I'm like, Steph's shooting 47% from yes, three. Shut the hell down. up. Like, are you, are you high? <laughs> but yeah, so, I mean, I mean, the Blazers, I mean, they're obviously, what, like, what are their film sessions look like right now? Because they don't have time to practice, but they have time to look at film, right? So, are they just standing, sitting there in the plane looking at effort plays and looking at them going under screens against Kyle Korver? Or is there something else more concrete that they can at least you know, mentally prepare for when it comes to the Warriors? Uh, my assumption is those film sessions aren't real good right now. Um, is, but they probably haven't been for a lot of the season this year. And I wonder if the message is just not getting through or, or what. Like that's, that's, that's my frustration with it. We've already we we got into the early part of the season. And we we got reports that Stotts already had the angry film session, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's that in itself is problematic. Right. So yeah, I mean I can see them also at this point taking the the tact where it's like you know what you guys know what you need to do. We're just taking a day off because we can't look at each other and we need rest. <laughs> they're, they're 10, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. They're nine games every other night book ended by back to backs. Mm-hmm. I mean, we knew this was going to, we knew this was going to get ugly. So I almost am afraid to make any big declarations about the state of the team. I see what people are saying 
you know, people are tired of losing by 20 plus more points. It's happened so frequently. And it looks like when you watch the game, you think, why did you miss that? You know, why did you miss that defensive play? Like, how come we can't, they can't stop people from shooting from three? How come Blazers have nights where they can't throw the ball in the ocean? At the same time, looking at the schedule, like if there was ever going to be a time where they would struggle, it should be now. And there's people who are like, you know, even you were talking about it tonight, fire up the trade machine. People are ready to just blow the whole thing up. Is it, are we premature on that? I, I personally, You've been wanting I, to blow up yeah, I'd say personally, I'm going <laughs> to say no. Yeah. There. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was talking to some folks earlier around the league, just trying to assess like what players trade value was or is. Um, and it wasn't pretty. Mm-hmm. That was prob- That was problem one. Uh, problem two is that a lot of people that I talked to around the league had the same feeling, and that's that Portland waited too long. They, for the for the big trade of CJ McCollum, yep. or just in general, in general, but specifically on on CJ because I, I think at this point in time CJ's value has probably peaked. Um, and it, it sounds crappy to talk about a person like that. Um, and that's not what I'm trying to go for. I'm just talking purely on the basketball side of things here, folks. So calm down. I, I like CJ as a person. I like him as a player. It's not a secret that I'd have never liked the fit between Dame and CJ long term. Um, but I maybe again, maybe it's because I'm in it every day, all day now. But I've never heard the cries for a trade with this group of players louder than it's been in the last two weeks. Okay. And I remember almost exactly this time last year thinking that we were going to have to call Dave on for an emergency podcast because people were calling for stats. Yeah. You remember that? Well, yeah. Almost exactly this time last year. Well, the, the, the reality was that was a scary time. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm not going to get into specifics, but it, it was, it was closer than people probably think. Mm-hmm. But so. so is is this another scary time or are we, like I said, we're just in the midst of the absolute worst part of the season uh, right now? I'm going to give you the, the answer that you hate. Yes. Um, <laughs> but I think Fair enough. if if Golden State comes out and absolutely boat races Portland, I'm, just eviscerates them, mm-hmm. which they're fully capable of doing, um, I think the, the cries get really loud. And, and, um, and, it, and it goes from... Is it just the time and it's serious to no, this is getting serious. So is that the first time they play Golden State, the second time or either time? Uh, either time. So specifically either of those games one, are a blowout. But specifically the first one because coming, uh-huh. on, coming on the heels of getting schlacked by Utah on mm-hmm. national TV on Christmas. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's, it's not good. So. I guess we'll throw this out there now. I threw it out on Twitter um, earlier today because it, it, it had gotten so loud. Basically, the whole fire up the trade machine. Um, the the idea was okay. It's, uh, I'll read the tweet verbatim here. A bad loss on Christmas seems like a good time to throw this out there. If you're looking at this team, what do you do between now and the trade deadline? And I threw up fire up the trade machines, kind of like half half jokingly, but also half serious because I get. Trade suggestions sent into my DMs pretty much every day, mm-hmm. um, and keep doing them. I, I I love talking to people about them. It's it's fun, um, but they they're coming in in much larger volume right now, and and mm-hmm. people are a lot louder about it right now. And so I, I went a step further though, and asked uh, go a step further as a fan right now. Are you more interested in the rest of the season, this upcoming season, or the next one to three years of the franchise? What are you more excited about? How would you go about building for those time periods? And I got a lot of trade suggestions, and almost every single one of them involved uh, CJ. Uh And it's just, I can't remember the last time anybody on on the Blazers roster was more uh, linked to trade talks within the fan base. Can you? No, but I mean, I think I mean it's logical because nobody wants to um, see Damian go. A lot of people don't want to see CJ go either. But if you're going to have to choose between those two, 
you know, Damien is is the one that you know people are are, I, I think it's are more behind. That, I mean, and and when it, in terms of value, if you want to make a splashy trade, I mean, nobody is going to be excited about a little on the fringe trade. Well, some people might be excited about a little on the fringe trade, but you know. If people are calling for trades right now, they're they want something big to happen, and nothing big is going to happen with Amino. Well, yeah, that I mean that, that's certainly true, but I think it's, <laughs> I think it's more than just wanting to break up Dame and CJ. I I felt over the last couple of weeks that more and more people are wanting to see CJ traded. And mm, I, oh, I think, so you think it's more of a hmm? And yeah, it's more <sighs> it's more than just. He's the guy with the most value who you you can trade outside of Dame. It's more. It's become. What more makes you think that? Just what people have said. Right. And that, that's what I mean. I can't remember the last time somebody, or the the uh, the fan base in general, has been more in line with wanting to trade a player in in the recent in recent past. Yeah. I see. I think. I think the. Um, wanting to trade CJ versus wanting some big trade to happen. I think that's just um, part of the rhythm of the season. And I think if the Blazers go on even just a, you know, four or five game winning streak and CJ has some great games, I think that could turn easily. What I'm trying to find are the threads that are consistent. And I think the ones that are consistent are that something needs to change. And I think it just depends on, you know, what's going on, who it is that people are more likely to, you know, to want to say should be traded. I mean, go back, what, two months ago, people were still, you know, wanting to get rid of, you know, Turner and his contract. You know, I think it just, I think that changes depending on what the team is doing. Yeah, see, I've I've gotten the the Harkless Turner Leonard contract stuff. Like I, I get that from the mm-hmm. basketball standpoint thing. And this has been, I think more of people wanting to see CJ on another team. And that's, that's weird. I, I haven't had that feeling before and I don't know if I'm reading it right or not, but that's, huh. that's what I felt. And it's a little weird. Well, this- yeah, the CG on another team thing I do think is interesting because sometimes, you know, you do wonder how CJ would do if he had his own team. I mean, it's something that it's you know, probably all basketball players think, you know, what if, you know, what if I wasn't, you know, the second person behind the superstar on the team? I mean, we saw Kyrie Irving get up and leave, you know, uh, uh, Cleveland so that he could go have his own team. And Oladipo. I think, you know, it's what? Oladipo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I think it happens. And I, I, I see that would be, that's a really interesting thought experiment. Cause I do think about like what it would be like if CJ um, were to have his own team. What if we looked at it this way? Uh, so as we've talked about before, you know, Paul Allen is no longer with us. He doesn't own the team. Um, and Jody Allen is there. Mm-hmm. If you had to pretend you're Jody Allen's advisor, you're the guy in the hat, you know, who sat next to Paul Allen all those years. And I'm Jody Allen. Give me some advice. And don't, don't tell me what to do, but give me some choices. Like, how would you advise me to uh, look at the future? Uh, whether or not, like, you know, to look at it, you know, for the rest of the season, look at it over the next one to three years. What kind of advice or um, choices would you suggest to her? Well, slash so, me. Yeah, no. So for, for me, um, it, it would start with option one is the big move, and that's trading McCollum. The problem with that, I think, at this point in time is, like I said earlier, I think his value has peaked. If you've, if you've listened to, to the show or you've heard me or followed me on Twitter or heard Dave and I talk about it in the past couple of years, the guys that we associate with trading C.J. McCollum for have all kind of broken out, and I think those guys are unattainable now. That's the Chris Middletons, the Tobias Harris's, um, Victor Oladipo, those were all guys who in the past year to three years, I've and this is before these guys were who they are now, right? And those guys are, are now all in line for big money. Mm-hmm. And they're so valuable to their teams, I don't see them as being gettable anymore. So do I, as the owner, want to, do I look at trading C.J. McCollum for somebody who we're going to take a, a flyer on? Not necessarily hoping... a flyer, but 
I think you have to look at youth and upside. Uh huh. Or just a positional switch. And just talking around the league, the, the most common link that I have found, um, this is from people who aren't in Portland, so um, the most common trade partner that I've heard pitched is Dallas. Okay. And that's Harrison Barnes. Okay. So as, as the owner, what would my advantage be for uh, trading Harrison Barnes, CJ McCollum for Harrison Barnes? Well, you're getting longer. Uh-huh. That's, that's for sure. Harrison Barnes looked nice the other night. Yeah. Here, here, okay, let's talk about the good things that Harrison Barnes gives you, okay? So he looks comfortable. Harrison Barnes is a six foot eight, versatile big wing um, who can do a lot of things for you potentially. But where Harrison Barnes falls short is everywhere outside of scoring. He doesn't really rebound, he's averaging an assist a game. He's not a. Great Does he need shooter. the ball in his hands to score? Yes. He has upped his three-point percentage this year significantly. He's having a breakout season in that regard. He's shooting 42% from three. But is that sustainable? And the thing is, he's not a bad three-point shooter. He's a career 38% three-point shooter. So um, it's, a little, it's a little bit of a mixed bag, but you are getting a little bit younger. Like by, I think I get a year. I think Harris is 26. Um, and his contract situation is essentially the same as CJ McCollum's. Okay. Um, I would, so you're not setting me on fire with this. No, it's, it's a, advice. it's a positional switch. I mean, that's really what it is. It's getting bigger, longer, more athletic. So trading a two for a three. Yeah. And Harrison can even play some small ball four, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would open that up to try to include a team like Orlando or Phoenix. There have been rumors that Dallas is looking to move possibly on from Dennis Smith Jr. Both Orlando and Phoenix are in need of a point guard. And yeah. <laughs> you think they're going to actually go out and get one? Do you think Phoenix is actually at this point going to go out and get? Aren't they just like on pride not going to have a, a point guard for you, the rest of the season? You would think so, but you know, <laughs> maybe Kelly Oubre is a guy that they look, that Phoenix looks to flip. Um, Maybe you can That's somehow pry Aaron Gordon away from Orlando by making the package bigger, including a pick. I mean, we're talking about big time money, but that's like, again, that's the most common option that I've heard is, is okay. So that's one option. What what's, and, and that seems like a, like a right now move option. Mm-hmm. Can you uh, run, give me an option that maybe is a little bit, Longer, yeah. I mean, the the other way you go is you you find here's the problem, and this is where I, I think things get a little bit murky, and why Portland probably doesn't end up making a move, is that CJ is an, like an M prime player who's being paid like an M prime player, and if you're sending him to a team, they're either a young team on the rise or a team that's competing now. A young team on the rise is not willing to part with. Young assets. The young players on the rise. <laughs> right? So how, how do you get those? Um, and CJ's not on a value contract. Like, if he was on a value contract, then you'd be like, listen, you're getting him on, you know, a good contract, too. So you're going to have to throw in more. And if you're sending him to a team that's win now, what assets do they have that are really going to help you? Like, what does a first-round draft pick from the Boston Celtics mean? It doesn't mean anything, Right. Uh, same for the 76ers. Um, and that's where it gets a little bit weird. And if you're doing that, you've got to find the right trade partner to get the right assets. And I think right now, don't get me wrong, there are plenty of buyers. But what is his value? And this is why ultimately I think they're going to end up sticking with CJ over the long run. And it just so puts do you- in, a, in a bad position. So do you have an option that involves other players? I mean, yeah, there, there are plenty of options, but again, they're all, they, they become those lateral moves. And like, we, we've talked about it plenty. Trading Alfaro can mean it would get under the, the cap, right? 
Well, you have to find a team with a player and a pick where it makes sense. Sure, you'd love to send a menu to a team like Phoenix for, you know, a pick that would be decent, but Phoenix isn't parting with a pick just for him. Not an expiring deal. You got to find a team. That's that's the problem. Is the way things are lining up right now, as far as assets, draft picks, cap flexibility, necessity versus need. It none of it really lines up well for Portland right now. Okay, so moving off of CJ, what about some of the players who actually this year have been playing better than they have in the past? They're still not like you know top tier NBA players, but guys like Turner and Leonard, who for years have been you know the butt of everybody's jokes mm-hmm. about their contract, but are now uh, seeing the floor being used in a different way and actually performing, perhaps not up to the you know what people consider, you know, their contracts are, but certainly better and are certainly showing that they do have, uh, have skills that they haven't shown for the last couple of years. Are they attractive to anyone? I think Evan's still a year away. I think Myers is approaching that point. I I think for the right team, Myers could make sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I still think to move Evan, you're going to have to be in his final year of his contract Mm -hmm. just because of the extra money. And be, okay. Because you have to fit things around him to make it make sense, right? Yeah. Myers is a guy who you can just you can put out there. He's a, he's a fine second unit big now. I I don't think you need to really build around him as long as you're playing him as a center. Mm-hmm. You know but if I mean? you're a team that needs a backup center, mm-hmm. who has been a you know a really good vet in terms of you know he's been around, he knows the routine. People have good things to say about him as a person and what he brings to the locker room. He could be um, a valuable asset. And now that when he steps on the floor, everybody doesn't hold their breath. Everybody goes, yeah, let's have some hammer. (laughs) That's that's a big, you know, that's a big turnaround for him. Yeah. The other one is, is that if the Lakers can't get Dame, they, they want CJ. And hey, have you voted for Damien for All Star yet today? No, I have not. I will do. That. Okay, we I, will do that. Yeah, we should yep. do that together as soon as we're done. Perfect. I voted yesterday. Did you vote yesterday? Uh, no. Dan. Slacking. I'm going to be the difference between Dame not getting voted in as a starter. How? You know what? I'm, I'm seditious. What can I say? You and you can only vote once and they've changed it and it's it's weird, but it's not that hard. Oh, you go to Google and you just like put their name in and then the ballot pops up. I was afraid that if you search for anybody, then that would like automatically be a vote for somebody. But if you just vote for any if you just search for any NBA player, the the NBA ballot pops up and then you can go vote for whoever you want to. Okay. But anyway, back to your advice to me, Jody Allen. So I've got people, um, you know, just ready to burn everything down. They want the coach fired. They want the GM fired. They want the star traded. What do you, what's your advice to me? The, the owner, possibly interim owner of the trailblazers between now and the trade deadline. Keep Dame happy as, as best you can. Um, but I think you've listened to any and all offers for anybody not named Dame. And if you get word that even Dame's questioning things, and I'm not saying he is, calm down, people, then you have to listen to everything. The Blazers cannot afford to let another star, homegrown player be lost for nothing. Mm -hmm. Odin, injuries. Roy, injuries. LaMarcus, free agency. They cannot get nothing out of McCollum or Lillard. And let it just walk for nothing. They they can't do it. It 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 is too hard to build in this league without bringing some sort of asset back. Mm-hmm. I mean, if not for Gerald Wallace's miraculous trade and the Brooklyn Nets being dumb as hell, the Blazers don't get Damian Lillard. So mm-hmm. you, you you can't hope and pray that there's another King or Heineken or somebody out there to just going to make a really stupid decision for you okay well on that happy note <laughs> let's talk about ed davis all right let's go ahead and talk about some happy things oh wait no ed is gone oh okay. so i think most people in 
uh, most people who follow the Blazers have probably by now seen James Herbert's article about Ed Davis. It actually came out last week. And to no surprise, I think anybody here in Portland, it was a glowing portrait about how Ed Davis is probably the best teammate in the entire league. And my heart hurt when I tweeted it. I told everybody, guard your hearts. If you're going to read this, it's going to hurt. Okay. All that having been said, I was still shocked by the amount of people who are still super mad about this trade because maybe, I don't know, maybe I don't care enough or something. But when I look at the situation removed now, several months, I, I want to know how much, like, would the Blazers be in a better place right now when you're considering building for the future? Would they be in a better place right now if they had re-signed Ed Davis? Honestly, financially, no, because then you're looking at, you know, what it would cost and luxury tax and all the implications that come along with that. Personnel-wise, locker room-wise, morale. I mean, if you, if you read the article, you know everybody who's been associated with Ed Davis misses him. They want him mm-hmm. to be a part of the team. Even Dame is talking about, I hope we can still bring him back. Right? I know. That was just like, oh, my gosh, get us all hoping again. <laughs> just, that just seems so cruel. <laughs> but it's – I hate to – because he's not the difference between this team being good, bad, or otherwise. It, it's, it, it's just – in the season where already some of the questions about heart, hustle, energy are being asked – Mm-hmm. I, I I don't think those questions are being asked as much with Ed Davis around, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I I I see what you're what you're saying, and the, they, we at least still have Ed Davis. We still have everything that he brought to the team. But here's where I was going with, and I don't know, maybe I'll like lose a bunch of friends over this. I don't know, but when I was thinking about it, trying to be objective, you know, so if the Blazers pay Ed Davis, you know, four or five million dollars. They don't get either Curry or Stauskas or whatever. But then they have Yusuf Nurkic, Myers Leonard, Ed Davis, Zach Collins, and even Biggie Swan again. They have all of those guys, you know, four of those five guys competing for minutes. Myers is probably still sitting on the bench. Mm -hmm. Myers is probably still sitting on the on the bench making $11 million and not out there showing anybody that he has something to contribute and therefore not being, you know, inviting to any teams should the Blazers try to make any moves. You see what I'm saying? Oh, I mean, there were the jokes and there's there's some truth in every joke about how not re-signing Ed Davis is forcing Terry Stotts' hand to play Myers Leonard and Zach Collins. Well, right, but at least, I mean, wouldn't you rather, if you were, like, a cold-hearted person, like, leaving aside how much we all love Davis and would love to have Ed Davis back here as part of the team, but when you think about it in terms of, like, cold, hard cash, if Ed Davis is on the team, then Myers Leonard is not playing, and Mm -hmm. he's making so much money, and the Blazers are not maximizing the value for the money that they have invested into these players and the team. Yeah, I mean that's that's a hundred percent honest. I mean that that's that's the reality of it, and that's that's the problem. So why with... can't we move on? <laughs> no, I, I get it, and, and we had somebody talk about this in the, the comment section during the show the other night. Like we can't go like a week without reminiscing about how losing a role player has been so detrimental to the team, yada yada yada. And I'm like, yeah, I, I get that, but I think in a season where we're questioning a lot of things the comfort that a lot of people find in a player like Ed Davis and what he meant for the, to the team as far as not just the basketball side of things, but the, I don't even know what, what to call it. It's just the, the comfort and, and solace that you found in a guy like that, maybe because of his, his relatability. I, I don't know. I don't relate to a lot of six eleven dudes who are uber athletic. I, I've never been one of those, but <laughs> It's just something about him or that that player type that people get really attached to. And uh, I've heard a lot of people say, you know, guys like like, uh, the Blazers, like Noah Vonley. We were talking about him the other night because he had like 15 and 14 on Christmas. Blazers should have kept Noah Vonley. He should have gotten more opportunity. I'm like, really? 
Noah Vonley should have got more. The, the dude that started 60 games and played 18 to 20 minutes a night should have got more opportunity. No, you've got to you've got to earn that at some point in time, man. Like, it, I think th- there's some truth in that. Portland fans get a little wrapped up in those guys from time to time and worry about some of the smaller picture stuff, as opposed to the big picture stuff, which you were talking about in maximizing the the uh, cost associated with signing Myers Leonard and trying to maximize what he is and who and what he brings, right? Mm-hmm. Well, and same with. Same with Evan Turner. Yes. You know, exactly. if they paid for Shabazz Napier, would they have just run back the same, you know, split Damon, CJ? Would they have decided to put the ball in Evan Turner's hands? And would he be now out there, you know, showing that he's, you know, producing? Mm-hmm. You know, he's producing. He's doing something that's more natural to him. And, you know, he's not producing a ton, but he's producing more than he was. Um, and I think he's showing us that his ceiling is higher than we thought it was at least initially like that first year when he, um, really struggled. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about this with the detriment of Seth Curry. Right. And I, mm-hmm. I think over the last couple, like last two weeks, we've seen Curry kind of arrive because he's had the ball in his hands a little bit more and Evan hasn't had as much. Right. Yeah. So that, that's going to be that constant dynamic, and that's what I'm talking about when you're talking, trying to talk about trading Evan Turner. Is you have to have a team that's kind of built around him. You have to have four guys around him on the floor, where he's basically a six foot seven point guard. I mean, that, that's realistically mm-hmm. that's what he is. It's what yeah. he was at Ohio State. For everybody to think that that was somehow going to change that a guy who's played a certain way and a certain style his entire life. Listen, I, I look at Evan Turner the same way that I look at like Sean Livingston. I mean, that's realistically what he is. He takes mm-hmm. advantage of mismatches in the post, has a decent mid-range game, has the ability to create off the bounce for himself, and is a nice playmaker. Like I just for 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 anybody to look at Evan Turner any other way than that, it's it's a little bit weird. Like why nobody's out here yelling at Sean Livingston? The day, why can't Livingston hit threes? It's not who he is. It's <laughs> not what he's supposed to do. And that that just kind of goes back to the point of Portland needs some some changes, and that's why I. I Listen, I know it's beating the drum or, you know, ringing the bell, whatever the hell you want to call it, when it comes to me and talking about wanting changes on this team. I've been mm-hmm. saying it for five years. Like, it's mm-hmm. just, that, that's where I've been, and I'll continue to be that until something drastic happens. And by drastic, if CJ McCollum suddenly became Steph Curry 2.0, I'm not going to start, like, wanting to break up Damon CJ. That's a change that you would consider yeah, a good change. Yeah. Be happy with. I mean, it's just it's just kind of what it is. It's just uh-huh. I, I don't see where the growth is going to come from. Like everybody keeps talking about how, well, Zach Collins is gonna be this, and I'm like, well, he could be in a couple years. Mm-hmm. But what does that mean for Portland right now? And what does that mean for Damian Lillard in, in this iteration of the Portland Trailblazers? And that kind of leads me to, to, to my next point, which is something you want to talk about. You, you're, you're spicy, the little take here. <laughs> you want to yeah, see more from I, Anthony Simons. Right. Well, I mean, I was trying to think about ways that they could change things up if they, their hands are tied and they are, you know, don't have much to bring to the trade market, you know, to the trade market that anything people want. Get Anthony's, Anthony Simons out there. Okay. So if you're going to do this, and I, I'm, I'm not sure where I sit on this yet. Uh-huh. Who are you taking minutes from? Because you've got two guys that really aren't looking to be factors on your in your on your roster going forward after this year in Stauskas and Curry. I, right. I, I don't think Portland is in the market to re-sign either one of those guys. Maybe Stauskas does on another vet minimum. I, I don't know. But who are you taking minutes from to give Anthony a chance? So I'm only talking like seven, eight minutes. Um, probably a little from Curry and a little bit from Seth, you, maybe even a little bit a from Curry and from Seth. What? A little bit oh, from Curry yeah, and from Seth. Curry and Seth. Man, Seth, no, Seth's getting hosed here. You know what I meant? Uh-huh. Seth and uh, Sauce. You, Seth you and went full Stauskas. diplomat there. A little bit from here, a little bit from there. No big and, deal. Yeah. Yeah, I might. I might. And maybe a minute from CJ or maybe a minute or two from, you know, shared between Dame and CJ because Dame is like still up there in minutes played in the NBA. And at some point he's going to get tired. Yeah. So I'm not saying sub him in for him, but I think that a minute could come from here. Yeah, I'm definitely a a few minutes here, a few minutes there. I'm not just like, you know, at this point – 
I, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I might've been like, just take them all from Seth Curry. Um, but I like how he's been playing lately. I like how he's been playing with Evan Turner. Like you were saying, I like that Evan Turner still stays on the floor and is there to handle the ball. If Seth gets himself into trouble, cause he sometimes does get himself into a little trouble. Um, but he's also, uh, you know, gotten better with hitting, but I just, I just think at this point, you know, last year they gave, Collins a chance to step out on the thing. And I'm more interested in the future of these young guys who are going to be around than what's going to happen with our guys who are on one year minimums or, you know, guys who are soon enough going to be heard it here, um, folks. Tara's out of giving there. Up. What? So you heard it here, folks, Tara's giving up on the season. I, <laughs> how does that? <laughs> so I know that you bring up a really interesting question because the other thing that you asked about what, read me the other question that you were asking the tweet that I know was meant for me. The optimist tweet. Yes. Where's it at? Hold on. Okay. This one is specifically for the optimists out there. What specifically are you excited about and are committed to with this Portland team? What are the good things that you see and what keeps you believing this team will make it to 50 wins and a step further in the playoffs? Let me still go and frame this for you because I still have people who text me, DM me, send me messages on Facebook, whatever. I don't know how you don't see this team as a 50-win team. This uh-huh. team's going to win 50, 50, 50. And I'm like, I don't see it. I, I, I just don't. And so please, enlighten me. Okay, well, I am not a rep- I'm not going to represent the 50-win team, uh, 50-win team people because I'm not a 50-win team people. What I, where I was going with th- this is I enjoy the Blazers in a different way than you enjoy the Blazers because as we've discussed before, I am not as much about winning as I am about the whole story. I watch basketball because I think it's interesting because there's a lot of things to learn about it. There's a lot of things that I don't know and every day is different and every game is different and I'm always learning something new either about the game, about the players. Surprises happen all the time. It's constant entertainment, but that is why I watch the game. And that is why watching the young players at this point is more interesting to me. I'm not saying I want to watch the young players because I'm ready to tank. If that's what you're trying to get me to say, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm saying, because to me, that is an interesting, more interesting storyline than what we are seeing currently. And I think a lot of people are tired of the game, the game that they're watching right now. And most people are tired of it because they want to see wins. I happen to be somebody who just wants to see something different because I think it's more interesting to see how the the team would adapt to something different like that. Tara the Tank Commander's got a nice sound to it. <laughs> I am, do not go around telling people that I am tanking. I've said all kinds of things. I'm going to lose so many friends after this episode goes out. They're going to say that I don't want it. Dave is back. They're going to say that I'm tanking. Oh my God, what have I done? Mm. <laughs> oh. Okay. Oh well. So the Blazers are sitting, just so we're talking about the 50-win team, Blazers are sitting at 19 wins through 34 games. So they need 31 wins in, what, 48 games? You know, I also don't think you should disparage people who are hopeful for a 50-win team. You know, I mean, I don't think it's going to happen. But if people want to be hopeful, I just uh, there. I've heard people out there say that the fans have got to come down harder on this organization. And I think they do. you may agree with that a little bit. Tara, they they have to go thirty one and what thirty one and seventeen. Thirty one. That's a stretch. <laughs> thirty one and seventeen right now to right. hit fifty wins. But am I a bad fan because I want to be hopeful that they're gonna? I don't, know, I don't begrudge anybody for being hopeful. I don't begrudge anybody for being hopeful. But okay, to good. just lock in and just fervently believe, despite everything to the contrary, that this is a team that is primed to make another leap, I just, I have trouble buying that. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what that says about me. Some psychologists probably call me a sociopath. I don't know. But I just look at that and I'm just like, I wish more of the fan base, I don't want everybody to be angry all the time. I don't want everybody to be pissed off all the time. But I would like to see more accountability. I absolutely would. I, I would like the fans to demand more of the organization, to demand more of the players on the floor and 
in the off season. I, 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 and how do fans do that by not going to games, by not buying tickets, by writing strongly worded emails? What does that look like? I mean, it's it's all of those things, but it's also being active and, and asking the right questions and, and questioning things that people I think have been afraid to question in the past. Or like the one thing that always gets me in that is that a lot of the blame gets keeped at Damian Lillard a lot. And I'm like, y'all are going after the wrong guy. When this is all said and done, Damian Lillard's going to probably go down as a top 100 player of all time. Like, I'm, I'm pretty Better. comfortable in that belief. Not if you're not voting for him for All-Star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this, this idea that he's the one to, to, to hang this stuff on is a little, little weird to me. Yeah, I don't know that... I've seen that. What like who's blame? Like what are they? What I see are it nightly. People saying, I, I, yeah, but what are they? What are they? What's the it's, accusation? It's ISO ball. He doesn't know. get guys involved. He's not a great leader. I'm just like. And are those like regular people who watch the games all the yeah. time? Are those people flying by? No, I mean these are regular people that I that talk to me regularly, and I have people that come out of the blue saying these things, and I've got a, one thing I've, I've realized that I have got to stop accepting random friend requests on Facebook and Blazers fans. <laughs> Y'all are crazy. Um, but no, seriously, if you, if you send me one, I'll still accept it. Um, but yeah, it's just, I don't know. Like I, I, All I do know at this point in time, Tara, with, with how this season is going, is that I have enjoyed this season less than probably any in the past six years. You know what I enjoy the least about this season? Is everybody telling me how little they're enjoying this season. That, that's what I mean. It's becoming it's becoming <laughs> prevalent. How excited we were at the beginning because they finally got off to a great start. Yeah, and then I just think the we reality. need to remember that we are in the middle of the worst part of the schedule right now. I just think it's not worth like you know um, completely losing our minds over I'm the state of things until either. we get through this. I, I, I'm not even losing my mind either. It's just. I'm tired of the same mistakes, the same storylines, the same questions. Uh, uh, James Hollis, it's not a dripping, threw out a question the other day of re- reply to your, your team or with your team and a gif of this season so far. And I replied with a freaking hamster on a wheel because it just mm-hmm. feels like it's the same questions, the same storylines, the same problems. And it's like I'm – for three years, I'm just tired of it. I'm just some. Give me something. Give me hope. Give me something new. Give me something different. Give me something to believe in. And it's just. Well, I think well, you're well, asking a lot. Okay, I, I, I get. It. I totally. I hear where you're coming from. You want. Do you? I, you want. You want something exciting and different to happen. Yes. And I'm not talking about oh hey a, a winning streak. Because yeah. ultimately, in the grand scheme of things, other than a, like a fun memory, what the hell does it mean? It doesn't mean anything. Well, the way I look at it is that like there's only certain things that we have control over. And the only thing that I have control over when it comes to the Blazers is how I react to what happens. So I can get mad. I can get you know frustrated. I can get angry. I can get bored. I can get all those things. But those are entirely up to me. And I would say that there it's up to you, how you react to it. Like all these things can happen. What have, what the blazers do, we don't have any control over. The only thing that we have control over is how we react to it. Bah humbug. <laughs> uh, by the way, oh, I, Danny, I, I tried to find, I tried to find a Grinch outfit to wear on the show on Christmas. And uh, yeah, apparently Grinch outfits are really expensive. Yeah, <laughs> like two hundred bucks. On well, nonsense. Yeah, right. yeah. You know what? Just, just, just stick with it. Just keep driving through the rain. It will come out on the other side, and who knows? Maybe something will happen at the up. trade deadline. You never know. Please. Um, maybe we'll see Damian play in the All Star game, but not if you don't vote. Fine. And all of the listeners of this podcast and all of the readers of Blazers Edge. Damian Lillard, hashtag NBA vote. Oh, no, NBA all No, that's not how you – no, it's, there's a whole different system this year. Oh, is it? Yes. Okay. okay so here, do this while, while we're, okay, while we're on the – okay, so me. go to Google and type in Damian Lillard. 
Oh, that's right. I did see this. And the ballot will pop up. I'm so glad I'm explaining this to you, and I didn't like let you just go do hashtag Damian Lillard because that would make sense because that's how it's been done in the past. But now you have to either vote on NBA.com or through this new Google wizardry. Yeah, thing. I wonder how, how much money Google's paying for this nonsense. I don't know. I don't know. But like I said, the only thing that we have control over is how many times we vote for Damian Lillard and how we react to what's going on with the Blazers. Otherwise, we just have to wait it out. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, we did have the article by uh, Dan Favalli from uh, Bleach Report. He said that Lillard will not get snubbed this year, but he will make it as a reserve. So that's another, another one than my call. Well, that's that's you know that that's that's better than being appointed as a injury replacement. I want him as a starter, and I'm not going to give up until it's over. I got to believe in something. I know it's a stretch. I know it is a long shot, but that is another way that I'm entertaining myself this year while the Blazers are maybe struggling. Yes. You entertain yourself with your TV show. I will entertain myself by voting for Damian Lillard uh, on all of my different accounts, on all of my different browsers. You got, got Google burners. All right. <laughs> yeah. God. Well, let's wrap it up. All right. Um, let's see. So, programming note. Obviously, we probably should have started off with the programming note that hey, we didn't come out uh, at the beginning of the week because we had the holidays. Because uh, so the uh, the what podcast usually drops on Thursdays. I'm going to delay that by a couple of days, and then you and I will be back. We have to figure out because we have a Sunday game again, so we will figure that out, out yeah, offline. Yeah, but we'll be, get back into the regular rhythm of it, things. It won't be a Sunday week. night game going into overtime with a late start that gets me home at 1230 at night. So I, I, I don't think it'll be a problem. Yeah, that was, that was not a, that was, it's a long night. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's also remind everybody that it is the season to uh, donate tickets to uh, Blazers Edge Night, which is going to be in uh, March. So if people have extra tickets, if they want to purchase tickets to donate to that game in March for uh, so that uh, kids who otherwise might not have a chance to go see a game, you can go to the uh, BlazersEdge.com and find the article that gives you instructions on how to do that. We're going to try to send 2,200 kids and their chaperones this year should be great and i have no doubt that the blazers edge readers will come through i'm trying to figure out what i'm going to pledge this year dan do you have any ideas yet on what you're going to pledge i thought of i've i've already given 10 and i want to give i want to give more um and i was thinking about this earlier today when i was talking about a little trade talk like I was going to like tier certain players and depending on which player gets traded, that's how many tickets I'll donate. But I think that's too, it hinges too much on Portland yeah. making a move and I don't think it's going to happen, but I'm going to come up with something because I, I want to donate as many as I can. And, and the cool thing is that I get paid to watch this team, to talk mm-hmm. about this team. And so the least I can do is get back. So more people have the opportunity to, to go out and, and enjoy this team and have fun with it. So um, I'm going to come up with something, but yeah, I, 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 I want to, I want to nail it down and have it be something good. And I want to get everybody else kind of participate in it too. So, um, I'm going to come up with something here in the next week or so. Well, I think I'm going to, uh, pledge for every alley-oop. Uh, thanks for asking. And I haven't figured out, uh, I'll have a minimum <laughs> at least, but, uh, I really, I want to, I want to see some successful alley-oops. I've seen them tentatively trying and I can't decide if I should pledge for every attempt or if I should pledge for every completed one. So I need to go and I need to take a look at the numbers, but How by giving next are you week feeling? I'll have it all figured out. Uh, what, you know, is it, if it's per attempt or per alley-oop or whatever I'm going to do. Yeah. Cause if you're feeling giving, go by attempt. If you're, if you're feeling a little thrifty, go by, by completion. Cause God, no one outside Evan Turner. Yeah, that's not true. So Nick Stauskas has thrown a couple decent ones too. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the lops that's that's my, my quiet beef of this well, and sometimes it's hard to know whether or not that was a an alley-oop attempt or if it was just somebody like throwing my, Seth threw one to Myers that was like Myers realized it was an alley-oop because it looked like a floater when it came out and I was like oh crap I gotta grab this and hammer it down um, yeah. Yeah. So if anybody has any other suggestions or if anybody wants to, you know, tweet at us or write in the comments what they want to pledge for um, Blazers Edge Night tickets, I think that would be fun. 
I, and we'll I get yours all figured out next week too. Perfect. What What do you guys have coming up for what? Let's see. We've got I've got a couple of episodes that I've not I'm not far enough into production of yet to talk about what they're going to be about because I don't want to you know like uh, jinx anything. But they're going to be I'm super excited about them. So we do have a what meetup coming up on January 13th. So if people want to mm-hmm. come and uh, watch the, or is it the 14th? Shoot, I don't have my 14th is the Kings game. Is it the Kings game? It is. I think it's the Kings game. Okay, so that's the 14th. Is that? I'll I'll write I'll I'll send it to you so you can put it in the show notes. There you go, perfect. And I'll start tweeting about it very soon. That, um, that, that so makes I, I think it is the. Because we'll both have things going on that night. Because I'm going to have uh, Dave Dufour, Coach Dave, on the Blazers Outsiders show that day. He's coming in town to pick up a puppy. Oh, so, cool. Yes, we'll, be fun to, I want to meet him. You can come on down after the show, after the game, if you guys want. And you're more than welcome to hang out and watch the post game in our cavernous studio. And that is not nearly as fun as the Rialto. Um, <laughs> all right. So go ahead and wrap it up here. Tara, go ahead and let everybody know where they can find you. At TCB Biggs on Twitter and at Hoops and Talks for the Women's Hoops and Talks podcast. <laughs> All right, I just want to take a quick minute to thank everybody that came out to the reality show. It was absolutely awesome. We had people coming up to us all night, every night, uh, hanging out, talking hoops, uh, just having fun. Um, it was a great time out there. So, again, thank you to everybody who came out and supported us. Uh, remember, you can find me on all social media, at DMARANG, at D-M-A-R-A-N-G. Uh, also on Blazers Outsiders pre- and post-game show an hour before tip-off. And as soon as Jordan and Michael get off the air, every post-game show, for Terrible and Big, I am Danny Morang. We'll go ahead and catch you guys next week. See ya.